What up, everybody? Welcome to episode four, two, five, and ten. I am KC, as always, accompanied by my extremely handsome, good-looking, hair-flowing co-host, Ben Stewart, hashtag NYI. Ben? Happy to be here. Finally got all my shit together for the podcast today. Yeah, I know. About time we're recording shit, talking hourly. <laughs> Tough being... Well, I mean, stuff having commitments. I wouldn't know about any of those. But, um, yeah, shout-outs. Who you got? Shout-outs this week. Let's see. Uh, I'll give a shout out. You know what? To old Mama Dukes. You know, she's listened to every episode. I had to show her how to access SoundCloud and how to find us on there, but she's a loyal listener. So give her a shout out there. That's uh, awesome. As always, a shout out to the First Lady. And pretty light shout outs this week. Everybody else needs to step it the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even think my mother knows we're doing this or has any idea as to like press play or anything. I could probably tell her I'm recording and she'd be like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, Great talk, so great talk. Uh, shout <laughs> out real quick. Uh, yeah, Big Kev's been listening. He's been plugging it at work. We actually have a, uh, there's a guy in Needham that works in him that's from Joyzy, but uh, he's a Ranger guy. So I, I'm hoping okay. he listens, just, you know, he'll talk some shit after. Uh, big shout out right. to Big Red, as always, for uh, dealing with me and keeping me sane, even though I do not keep her sane. Um, big shout out to KB. Uh, also a huge shout out to, uh, the big handsome Kyle Eisner. He was, uh, he says he's a fan. I, I, I say he's a friend. He says he's a fan. Says he's liking the pod, uh, wants us to keep it up. Uh, he told, he gave us some good marketing shit and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Kyle, like I went to school for something like this and you're like just completely blowing me out of the water right now. So, you know, appreciate it. But, uh, Kyle's been active on uh, social media with us too. Yeah. A lot of share. So, so big up to the big handsome and, uh, Let's fire her up, Benny. Let's do it. Oh, actually, wait, wait. One more before Let's we go. I'm, I'm, I'm a little before. Dude, I am depressed. And, like, this is why I look forward to this talk every week so we can, like, just get through it. You can talk me off the ledge. Am I keeping you going, man? Am I your reason for living? I'm just happy that other people can't see our Skype in right now. What's going on? You know, they can only hear it. Um, <laughs> so at work, right, my boss left. I, I had a phenomenal boss in, uh, in Kurt. Big up to Kurt. Uh, he got a great job in the town that he lives in with the family. So it's him, the wife, and he's expecting twins. Uh, big congrats. I hope it all goes good. Nice fat salary. Nice town job. I ain't going to do shit. And uh, all the best to him, man. Appreciate it. You were a great boss. Great dude to work for. And uh, all the best in the future. Appreciate it, man. Does he know uh, what the twins are going to be? Boys, girls? No, they were going for the surprise factor, so they're just going to find out oh. day of. I'm like, getting after it, dude. Holy shit. Hopefully it's not two uh, twin girls, man. That's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I don't even know how in-depth they know whether they're, like, identical or any of that. Or Do you even know that ahead of time? You just find out day of? I mean, at, at this point, I'm sure they can tell you pretty much everything about your kid, like what college yeah, they like to before they if the second so. toe is bigger than the first toe, like they got the whole nine already squared away. You would have more experience in that than I would, man. Oh no, I'm I'm just there for strictly the de- the delivery. That's all, pal. Just I'm right <laughs> here with my catches met. Um, episode four. Everyone seems to be talking about it. The Matheson suspension on the hit slash the forearm slash. Peterson, Pedersen, however you say it gets hurt. What do you think? I mean, two games, it didn't seem too bad. But to me, it was one of those things like the NHL is clearly going in the direction of if anyone gets hurt, it doesn't matter. You're getting a suspension or something, fine, whatever you want. I just find it crazy because, like, that play to me seemed like normalcy. Like, that seems like a normal play in the corner. It, it Maybe it's because Matheson's, like, a big dude and the other kid's a rookie and he's, you know, 18 and 140 pounds soaking wet and he takes the brunt of it. But, like, dude, someone like that, like, you get two games for that. If people are going to be getting games for that, there's certain, like, Shea Weber shouldn't even come back from his surgery. Like, legit, because he's going to be getting two games every other game. Like, anyone he's back for his forearm shiver. So, I don't know. The two-game suspension is ridiculous. Like, if you're going to suspend Matheson for that hit, like, yeah, the kid got hurt. He's also, like you said, looks like his helmet weighs more, like tilts his head over because he's so light. <laughs> yeah. He's got to learn 
you can't go into the corner and not have your strength built up. Like he's going to take a beating his rookie year, and hopefully he learns a lesson and comes back over the summer and uh, puts some body weight on him. But that was a very hard play, not even close to being dirty. You know how many times we've seen that game in and game out since we started watching hockey and playing hockey? Like that happens all the time on all areas of the rink. They got a two-game suspension for that. It's okay. If you're going to suspend Matheson for that hit, you got to just take hitting out of the game. Take fighting out of the game because you're not even calling instigators anymore anyway. And then just take uh, hits alone the boards out of this sport. Because two-game suspension for a hit where, yeah, he hit him and then he didn't body slam him like I first heard on Twitter. But he slammed him to the ground. That's a hockey play. Like he's taking you, rubbing you out of the play, as Doc Emmerich would like to call it. And the suspension is... Ridiculous. The fact that he, I thought he was going to get fined. He got a two game suspension. Even former players, like I know Jeff O'Neill made a big deal about it on TSN. Like, it's a joke. It's just crazy to me because, like, the kid right before that, he, like, fucking nutmegged them, like, some sick, saucy yeah. bits. And then the puck goes back into the corner. Like, these are professional hockey players. Like, now you pissed him off. What do you think's going to happen? He's just going to go in there and give you a little feather bump? Like, oh, let's just have a little tickle fight in the corner. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, dude, you just made me look awful on national TV. Granted, it's the Panthers. So, I mean, national TV, very small market. <laughs> um, speaking of the Panthers, big shout out down south to uh, DeVito r- running a FSN down there. So, big up to her. But, um, yeah, no, man. Like, it was just one of those things. I was like, this dude's really getting suspended for this? I, just to, I mean, to relate it back to your Bruins, how many times, just because of the size difference, does Chara make a guy look like he gets body slammed with a forearm shiver or, like, hit along the boards and then the guy just completely collapses? He's going to get called for a ma- uh, five-minute major for boarding or an unsportsmanlike for interference every single time now? Oh, and the crazy thing, too, is, like, Chara is so much taller and his arms, like, get people right in the face. Like, this one kind of came through the guy's body, so I was like, it's not like he squared him right in the face like when chara comes out with those like little short cross checks and stuff and you see dudes just eating them i'm like oh (laughs) yeah it was a forearm he didn't even like punch him he just put stuck his forearm into uh, patterson's chest and then shoved him to the ice like it wasn't even worthy of a fine yeah just it was just encouraging him to go down to the ice quicker yeah well now that i'm sick from this disgusting sportsmanship that mike matheson decided to share um connor mcdavid i think the streak has ended but the first nine edmonton goals this year he was a part of whether he scored them or he got an assist on them that's crazy well, yes yeah, anybody else on the team well that's what i was gonna say dude like they need to wake the fuck up like the, the allegedly they're coming back with the vengeance and they want to be a playoff team but like no one else is doing anything. Like, <laughs> give the guys some help. But yeah. you're giving guys their huge money, too. And there's nothing. I Luch. mean, Luch is making crazy Boku bucks. Thank you, Peter Chiarelli. Um, what was his, what was the other one? Pyarvi? Oh, yeah, Magnus Pyarvi. And then uh, Louis Dreisaitl, the German That's center. the one, Dreisaitl. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ, dude, these guys are getting crazy bucks and fucking... Nothing. It's just McJesus all over the ice. McDavid uh, everywhere. Uh, R&H still there? Nugent Hopkins? Oh, yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, he he's nothing, too. Like, it's just McDavid. Yeah. Why even have <laughs> her on? Like, legit, dude. Just, no one on D. just leave him there by himself. You don't need anybody else on the ice. Like, you need one defenseman with him to outlet the puck to him. He'll find open space. Like, legitimately, you could play five on two. You having the two, and as long as McDavid's out there, there's a chance. I mean, what else can you say about him like, that hasn't been said? he, When he was coming to his draft year, everybody was saying he's the next uh, face of the league, the next Crosby is going to challenge Crosby, the best player in the league. Um, and he's met all the pre-draft hype. And I know we're going to touch on this in a little bit, but he's going to be the face of the league for the next 10 to 15 years. That's if Danny shall learns how to market their stars, uh, because you can put Connor McDavid in times square and no one's going to know who he is. I know they're going to feel like like... Mike Mike Trout disease in baseball. Like nobody knows who Mike Trout is. 
and he's the best player in the game. Nobody knows who Conor McDavid is. If you, I haven't even seen him on TV, like in commercials or sponsorships or anything outside of like his uh, the uh, equipment stuff. He's probably just cashing in and everything north of the border. He's like, I know Canada's a gold mine for this shit. He's like the U.S. here and there, but yeah, I mean, I see him on Instagram under the CCM account, but I mean. Legit, it's not like he said like an interview or anything. It's just like a picture of him shooting a puck, and it's like, be the next one. Like, shut up. <laughs> to be honest, the most I've ever seen him was, uh, I think it was yesterday or this, early this morning on Twitter, where people were sharing his Halloween costume with his wife, and they were Bart and uh, Marge Simpson. Oh, and dude. It was like, a great costume. And I'm like, you don't even know that's Connor McDavid. Like, how is that marketing? <laughs> the, well, the craziest part was like, I saw that costume, and I was like, there's no way that's Mc... like I was zooming in. I'm like, that's not McDavid, but it must have yes, been. That, that was a good costume. <laughs> like that's good makeup. Well, since we're but, on the yeah, uh, I mean, the Halloween part of it, yeah, should we discuss it? Pass uh, from Crosby. Um, do you think Crosby's hit his peak? He's in his decline. He's he quote unquote passed the torch because he knows um, McDavid's gonna take the mantle from him hopefully for the next hopefully two decades or do you think it's more of a show of respect and Crosby still has a few good years as the best in the world see like to me it's weird that Sid passes the torch because we've never heard Sid talk like this ever like the conversations never come up ever since he's been in the league like he's been the one and to me it's maybe it's a sign of respect maybe it's a sign of like you know, maybe he wants other people thinking he's kind of declining a little bit, so they'll leave him alone and give him more space. But uh, the craziest thing is anytime Sid's played, like, Team Canada, e- even at 18, like, when they won that first gold medal in fucking Vancouver, he's been captain. So now when it comes to yeah. something international, hey, you, you said McDavid is the best player in the league. You giving him the C? Like, that's what I want to see. Like, who yeah, captains? Yeah, like, who, who captains, you know... Who wears it for the leaf? But um, I think at this point you have to say McDavid's the best. Like, the skating, the shooting, everything. Like, Sid's still a top five player. Like, you, you can't – he's probably the second best player. But I yeah. think McDavid officially, yeah, has the torch. I mean, I was looking at Crosby. He's 31, turned 31. He's uh has his birthday a day before mine. He has a ton of mileage on him just from the extra playoff rounds and the cup runs, all the Olympic and international tournaments. He's battled 10 injuries. Uh, I think we've seen him at his peak. I'm not saying he's going to like crater and be out of the league in two years, but we've probably seen the best production we're going to see out of him in his NHL career. He has no goals to start the year through five or six games, but I was just looking at his accomplishments. Three Stanley Cups, a World Cup, a World Cup MVP, two Smipes, a Rocket Rashad, Two hard trophies, two Olympic golds, one world championship, and two scoring titles. And he, most of that he did before he was 30. Like, Yeah, no, I mean, unbelievable. The, the accolades and the accomplishments are there, dude. Like, it, it's not like he's just going to be like, oh, someone dropped something on the floor. Let's put him in the dustpan. He's in the trash. Like, he's still world class, like, t- top of the line. And if people want to make the argument right now that it's McDavid, Matthews, Crosby. I'm all for that argument as for like player wise, but when it comes down to accomplishments, currently no one in the game can even sniff Sid's jock. Like accomplish like you said, you just rattle them all off. Like no one's even close. And the other thing is that's interesting when saying who's the best in the league or best in the world, how much emphasis do you put on the team success or international team success? Because if McDavid is locked up in Edmonton for his career for the most part, he's not going to be getting three cups, two constantized, like all that playoff success. He might get the MVP, like league MVPs, scoring titles. He's going to win, probably win a couple gold medals in the Olympics or the world championships, and that's going to be McDavid. But I can't see anybody challenging that overall portfolio of Crosby anytime soon. Like Even Matthews with Toronto, like who knows what's going to happen there, but... I don't think anybody's challenging that overall. I know this wasn't on the docket, but we went there, so might as well just talk about it while we're on the subject. Wayne Gretzky, after he won his cups and stuff, kind of bounced around from team to team and things like that towards the end. 
kind of like a, like a marketing hockey guru. Like, obviously, these trades happen for a reason. They were all big market places. You see Sid maybe going somewhere in a couple of years, just kind of the Penguins cash in on the return. And I don't mean in like a disrespectful manner, like, oh, my God, they got rid of Sidney Crosby. It's all over. But, like, you could get a, a crazy return for Sid if you ever even put him on the market. Would you ever put him on the market? Probably not. But if it's like a Gretzky thing towards the end, why not? Uh, see, just staying within that hypothetical, I'd move Malkin before I would move Sid if I was Pittsburgh. Um, why Why me? Why me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes, like, my opinion of Malkin is skewed because being a Rangers fan, I can't stand the way he plays. I used to feel the same way about Sid, but he's kind of taken that aspect out of his game for the last few years, which is good. But wasn't there a room when uh, he was up at a draft lottery and there was talking about if he would ever hit free agency? Montreal was like the big uh, team that was everybody would rumor that Sid would go to. So if he leaves, maybe he goes up to Montreal. Um, but to be honest, 31 all mileage, he's done everything you need to do in a sport. I honestly feel like he's he'll retire before he ever gets traded or moved from Pittsburgh. Like I would give it a two, three more years. Like why would he keep playing at 35, 36, 37 with the head injuries and everything else? He's already done everything. He's made his money. I don't know. I'll look it up right now. I forget how many years left on his current deal. That pays him $8.7 million a year because he's a psycho. Um, but I would say he retired before he was moved. Yeah, I think... No, it wasn't him and Malkin, because Malkin makes a little bit more, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I was just talking about it and all that, and we were talking about marketing the game and everything together. I was like, is that a light bulb case, or was that just something you're rambling about and it sounds good? We're doing it for the views. That's what we're doing it for, for people to <laughs> listen to the show. Um, just kidding. That's right, just so my here's, ADD. Here's contact status. I thought he had like two, three years left before we would have to re-up. He is signed through 2026. Yeah. How are you? See you there. <laughs> Retirement. So, And then the cap recapture penalty and all that stuff probably comes into play there. But, yeah. The craziest part about him, though, too, like, he's such a competitive dude. I can see this dude being, like, like Chara, being, like, 42 out there and just, you know, playing center, doing his role, coming up, and just... Then it wouldn't even be about scoring, dude. He would just be like flying sauce across the ice for people to just light <laughs> up like on the on the power play. It would be ridiculous. If I was as skilled as he was and I won my cups and I have all those personal awards, I think a challenge would be going to a team that either never won a cup or has like a long drought and seeing if I can put them over the hump. Like the Blues have never won. Or yeah, going cool. to or bringing another cup back to Montreal for the first time and, like, cementing that stat. It's kind of like the Theo Epstein in baseball. Ended the Red Sox curse, went to the Cubs, ended their curse, and now he's, like, immortal. So if I was Sid, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to keep signing, like, one- to two-year deals with all these franchises, win them all cups, and then call it quits. <laughs> yeah, and then there's no question that I'm the best of all time. That's it. Well, f from Sid's high horse, let's go down to kind of the graveyard here. Um Jake Dotchin finally signed a contract with the Ducks. He signs it, I think it was like 925 for the year. But um, he signs with them, and then he finally files the grievance against Tampa after Tampa gassed him for breach of contract because they said he came in 30 pounds over. Th this was the weird part. It didn't say a playing weight. It didn't say like normal walk-around weight. It just said 30 pounds overweight, breach of contract, see you later, bye now. I, yeah, mean, I mean, do you talk to the strength and conditioning guy before you go for the summer and say, what's your ideal thing? Because, I mean, these guys now, some of them are very lean, and I get that. But some guys' bodies, man, they, they just don't work like that. Like, you're going to look a little bulky. But, I mean, 30 pounds overweight, but, like, what if he was the fastest he's ever been? Does that matter? It's just like, oh, no, yeah, you're out. I f he signed for uh, 800k. Just looked it up with Anaheim, and he was originally slated to earn 112 with Tampa. So he basically broke even after all that mess. It had to be something where he was told repeatedly, 
that he's got to get back into shape or his conditioning has got to get better. I doubt an NHL team would risk the grievance and all the headaches that are come, going to come with that since he filed because he showed up for the first time out of shape for camp this year, even though he was in, he was in playing shape. Like, they even said like he was probably okay enough to play, but he didn't meet their expectations. And I don't think to do that for the first go-around. He's probably had to do that. He was scratched in the playoffs last year. Uh, he broke a team rule last year and was uh, suspended for a game, I think, or fined. So I don't think this is the first instance of him running into trouble with the team. And uh, they probably knew. He was on waivers for a while. No one claimed him. Cleared it. They terminated his contract. So they probably didn't have much interest around a league in him. And once he came in overweight, they're like, all right, this is our out. The thing that they're focusing on, so in the CBA it says, the club may terminate the standard player contract if the player fails, refuses, or neglects to obey the club's rules governing training and conduct of players. Uh, If such failure exists, it constitutes a material breach. So that right there, like they, I don't know what the grievance is going to be that he wasn't 30 pounds overweight. Like, I don't know what the... Yeah, like I don't know what the set thing is. I I just find it crazy though too for them to proclaim it, like whether he was or he wasn't. Hockey players in the offseason, dude, I mean... These guys train five, six days a week. Like, for me, it's hard to believe that A, he would neglect his body that bad to come in 30 pounds overweight, or B, just say, fuck it, I'm not training this year and I'm just going to show up to camp and be ready to go. Like, I don't know. It's like, embarrassing. I would be embarrassed to show up like that around the guys. Well, dude, it's that. And the other thing, it's like, there's kids every year now from the AHL that are making a push, or there's high draft picks that are trying to take jobs. Like, why would you risk it? Like, if you want to make show dough, you, you got to be willing to commit. And if you're just not ready to work out or whatever it is in the off season, hey, this is my time. I'm not in. I'm not getting any checks right now. Then I don't know if this is the place for you, pal. Yeah, I mean, the Lightning are deep on defense. So, like you said, to purposely show up out of weight, uh, overweight means you're going to lose your spot, which was going to happen anyway. He was behind. Obviously, the guys are like Strawman, uh, McDonough, Girardi, Coburn, those guys. But then you have... You mean the New York Rangers 2.0 on defense? Yeah, like, he's ready to (laughs) jump in. I mean, to be honest, now think about it, like, your your, uh, comment just there. How the hell has Dustin Buffalo not failed a physical or come in overweight and had his contract terminated? Because he's that talented. So if that's a discrepancy, then that might be the... um, grievance for adoption being like i'm not the only guy to show us about a weight in tampa like why are they still there oh yeah dude and they say there's times when buff is like 30 pounds overweight during a season never mind like <laughs> showing up to camp <laughs> they say during the season like he fluctuates up and down like granted he's a beast but like it, maybe there's different team rules i guess i don't know yeah i mean for anaheim it's no low risk like semi-high reward, like you get a young right-handed defenseman who's like, what, 22? Uh, it's not a bad gamble. He's a potential uh, top six defenseman, at least a right-handed depth defenseman, and you get him at 22 for less than a million dollars. It's not a bad move for them either. Yeah, no, like you said, th- there's there's no risk in that at all. Worst comes to worst, you cut him again. See ya. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for playing. It would have been funny if he signed with Anaheim and then he shows up like, 60 pounds overweight like just keeps doubling where every stop (laughs) yeah just just everywhere they go the number changes like this guy's just a slob (laughs) can't even have him (laughs) what it'll be like uh when the red Sox signed whatever his name was panda bear there and they had to like call the uh yeah that was his name and they had to call the hotels to cut off the fucking room service to him because they said he was like a (laughs) chronic eater and he'd be eating all day i think the red Sox have a long and storied history dating back to I think 2013 with uh, overeating, especially fried chicken in the clubhouse. There was beer too. Thank you very much. Well, speaking of drinking in celebration, uh, Alex Tuck seven-year extension, 33.25 million, getting paid. Um, 4.25 average annual value. What do you think? I think it's a great deal for both sides. Uh, Tuck gets the long-term security of that seven-year deal at 22. Uh, so he's, I mean, he had an all right year last year. It was his first full year in the league. 
Uh, he had a great playoff run. I think he had 10 goals uh, in a playoffs for Vegas last year. Uh, came into his own. So he cashed in on that. Now he, he said, you know, even if he doesn't uh, progress or develop more than what he already is and he ends up as a third-line guy, that money isn't prohibitive for Vegas at four and a quarter. Uh, but if he does develop, that's going to be an absolute steal for the Golden Knights. They get a young, probably top six power four locked up long term, way below market value, and they don't have to go year to year through his arbitration years and end up having to overpay, which was one of my complaints with Sather and how he handled Derek Stefan, but that's another conversation. Um, but he's probably, they're looking at his potential, probably like a 20, 25 goal, 50 to 60 point regular season guy who steps up in the playoffs. And that just reminds me, it's not as quick, obviously, but that just kind of reminds me of like a light or poor man's Chris Kreider. Yeah, no, and I mean, he's a big boy, too. He's 6'4", 220. Um, he definitely gets yeah. around the ice. And I'm going to give another, I think I've been complimenting him too much here, but um, McPhee again, man, because they got this guy from Minnesota because Minnesota didn't want to give up their D-men. So he ended up getting a pick somebody else and, and Alex Tuck. yeah and Alex Tuck and for nothing for not taking a D guy I mean it seemed to work out good for him last year making it to the cup final and everything but um yeah no man the kid's 22 huge big body can shoot the puck I mean he when he was at BC man like he probably had the best shot in hockey east like the kid just flies it right off his blade so yeah, I'm with you in the sense, like, if you can lock him up long-term for 4.25 and he can do what he's done, it's definitely worth the money. But it's like you said on the other end, if he becomes even better, you got him locked up for a team-friendly deal for another seven years. So that that's solid. Yeah, I mean, he complements the other skill guys in their top six well, like Nylander, Perron, who may not be as gritty or... Uh, much of a presence in the front of the net, take some attention away from them, open up some room. So I liked him when the Rangers were uh, starting their fire sale at the deadline and they were looking to move guys like Nash. I was hoping because Tuck was having an all right year, like his regular season point totals weren't jumping off the page at anybody, but I just loved his game. And I was like, if they can somehow, even if they had to throw in their, our own prospect to get Tuck back, that would have been great. And then, Obviously, it didn't happen, and then he blew up in a playoff, so that kind of squandered any opportunity for anybody to get him, and Vegas was very smart. Sound cap management locked him up. Um, but did you hear about how two days after he signed a deal, him and the boys went out to dinner, and then he left him with the tab? I think that's just good old hockey tradition. I mean, that's yeah. one of those, you just signed a nice <laughs> fat check. Here you go, pal. Dinner's on you. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll yeah, see you tomorrow. It ran up the bill. It was like a 75 uh, $1,000 bill with drinks included or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. Don't call me on it. I'll share it on our Facebook page. But, yeah, and the boys just left them with the bill. <laughs> They're like, yeah, thanks for the dinner. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Vegas prices. You know, everything's jacked up a little bit. Uh, well, we go from the top of that. Uh, we'll go to injuries. Uh, Brady Kachuk out a month. Uh, Paul Stasny out two months in Vegas. And then Justin Schultz in Pittsburgh out four months. That Schultz injury was... Not fun to watch. No, that like, dude, disgusting. But then the other thing, too, speaking of disgusting, is Pittsburgh's defense is going to be in for a rude awakening because he ate a lot of minutes for them. And now it's kind of like you got Latang needs to step up and you got Cole that needs to step up and Dumoulin. Yep. But, I mean, yeah. for the amount of minutes that Schultz ate, the other guys, like, Dumoulin can definitely do it, but I don't think he gives you – as much offense as Schultz does. So I think you heard a little bit on that end too. And it's, uh, was an amazing move, uh, by the pens to pick up Schultz. Like he, they got him from Edmonton. I believe he quote unquote flamed out there, uh, cause of his defensive game. Everybody was saying he's going to be a power play specialist. Like, uh, what was his name back in, he's on the Islanders and the lightning back in the early mid two thousands. Uh, was it Andy Bergeron, I think? Uh, you know there was a Bergeron. Oh, I know exactly who you're yeah. talking about, too. Um, was it Strite? Marc-Andre Strite? Whatever the fuck his name was? I don't know. Don't don't yeah, don't, don't look to us for guys. facts. Anyway, yeah. Um, we're too old to think back that far now. Too many names on our head. Um, but, yeah, it's Pittsburgh 
grabs him. Everybody's like, okay, it'll put him on a third pair, shelter his minutes, and then use him on a power play. But he's developed in their system. Uh, his defensive game's picked up. He turned to a legitimate top four, sometimes top pairing guy when they, needed, when they were down in the game. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, a big loss for them. I'm sad that Kachuk got hurt uh, just because I love having him and Matt running around just with their personalities on the ice. Uh, you said it was the most. doesn't seem like it's a long-term thing, but it's just bad things, bad juju up there in Ottawa. And the Stassen injury, two months. Vegas already started off slow. Uh, that whole Western Conference, I know, I know it's still early. It's kind of all packed together. Losing your uh, second center and guy who was supposed to really help uh, your offense keep it up and working with a guy like Pacioretty on that second line hurts them pretty big. So I don't know if they'll have somebody to be able to step into that role. Maybe they'll just move uh, patches over the center and move somebody like Tuck up to the second line. But, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the I don't want to say the shitty part, but I'm going to say the shitty part. Uh, the shitty part about Kachuk is that the kid finally came back from the groin and he was playing good. Like, he had some goals going, he got some assists, he had some jam. Like, I thought for a rookie he was having a really good start. And then to get an injury again right after you get it going, I mean, it got to be a little demoralizing on you for sure. Um, the Stastny one, I'm with you, dude. That's huge because... I think with them getting Pat Charetti, a big part of his success was going to be with Stastny delivering him the puck. And now with that not there, like you said, they they definitely have some holes now. And with the slow start they already had, it's kind of like, ugh, like th- that could get ugly real quick. And Flurry hasn't been the Flurry of the past either this year so far. So I, I think he Vegas started to pick up a little bit. He- Nah, that was just because he won. That was because he won. He got the win and he got into the top ten of the goalies. That's all. It's he ain't rolling in shit. Fuck him. Socks. (laughs) (laughs) Now that uh, if you want to say fuck off to Thomas Platonic, I hate that turtleneck. Um, (laughs) a thousand games. It's definitely a big deal. Anytime you can play a thousand games in this league for sure playing against him for all the years like just watching him play the Bruins he pissed me off so much just because he was just so effective just being in the way and he's not even like a Martian level pest or anything like that but it's like he would just be there and you'd see that face and the turtleneck and the goatee and you're like I just want to like just sucker you like right in the face like if i was out on the ice and he was starting that shit dude like no way like let's go right now but then they say oh he's a gentleman out there oh yeah like when he actually left them last year i was like wow like i never thought i'd see him playing for another team and then he signs right back there this year and the best part about it too was that um one of the molson owners in Bergevin, the night of his thousandth game, we're both wearing turtlenecks. Like that's awesome. Oh yeah, sorry. I saw that photo. I thought that was pretty funny. Here's your salute, pal. <laughs> Him and Yashin, I don't get the turtleneck. Like you don't need the warmth for like that three quarters of an inch on your the bottom of your neck while you're playing hockey. I I have no clue why. He wears it that often. But to be honest, the reason why he probably approved the trade to Toronto at the deadline last year was because he didn't have to change the color of the turtleneck. That's true. Yeah, he could just recycle it. It'd be good to go. I mean, I don't know what it is. Like, if he wore a neck guard, I would probably feel, like, more better in the sense, like, you know what, he's doing it for safety because we've seen some freak shit happen, like the Richard Zednick and the Clint Millard truck. I'd be like, you know what, he's thinking of safety. But but just that turtleneck, like there's just some there's no room for that in hockey. You're not playing an outdoor game. Take it off. You know, he pisses us off for years just by wearing it. It has to be something where he does it as like a antagonizing thing for the other team on the ice, like to get them talking shit to him about the turtleneck. Like it has to be like in his arsenal. Because if he's pissing us off this much, like how can you imagine playing against him? Like I would just want to grab horse collar him by the turtleneck. There was one funny one where they had, like, the hockey mic'd up thing, and uh, Thornton goes by when he was playing for Boston. He's like, you're still wearing that turtleneck? Like, just in, like, disgust. Like, you're still wearing that thing? (laughs) (laughs) 
the nicest thing I'll say about him is he's underrated for what he brought to the team for to the Canadians. But yeah, I mean, anytime I see that turtleneck, I can't even see anybody else wearing a turtleneck like, in normal everyday life without thinking of his fucking goatee ass and it pisses me off that he's just like haunts me like, like that forever that's like that you see a guy wearing a turtleneck like <laughs> take you and your placanich like, ass and go home oh. like fuck off <laughs> uh, but, uh, another guy that got to a thousand games our boy out in chicago duncan keith duncan teeth uh, like you said about placanich nice little accomplishment getting to a thousand games especially as a defenseman my question to you is He's an obvious decline. He's 35 years old, going to be turning 36. A lot of wear and tear. First ballot Hall of Famer? Or is he a Hall of Famer at all? Uh, See, like, this is, like, the weird part. Like, some people are automatically in the Hall of Fame just because of points and things that they've put up. For him, for just his skating alone should qualify. Like, dude, he doesn't look like he's putting any effort out there just gliding around the ice. There's no issue. Um, now there's, what, three cups because he's been there. So that's three cups now. Like, I don't know if he's first ballot or not. Like, he's definitely there. Um, all the games, The, I think he got three golds with Canada too. So yeah, He has three cups, two gold medals, two Norris trophies, a Conn Smythe. Um, I was looking it up before we started the uh, show. I mean, so he gets 500 900 points, and he's played 1,600 games. Rob Blake is in the Hall of Fame. He only has 700 points. Uh, Keith is at 600 points in his career, at, and he just hit 1,000 games. So he's in the same class as guys that are already in the Hall of Fame uh, that made it on a first or second ballot and didn't have as much uh, you know, team success like with the Cups and stuff yes. as uh, Keith. So. so that should definitely project. Let's see. 548 points, and he's a plus 145. Oh, I, I hate plus minus, dude. Yeah, I know. Plus minus doesn't mean shit sometimes, but it just <laughs> looks like a good stat when you're, when you're pitching that for the assist. Hall of Fame. Secondary assists are ridiculous. <laughs> I'll take any apple they give me. <laughs> I guess but we're yeah, getting I mean, the fun stuff. The first or second ballot has to be. He's in. He's in. I just don't know first or second, but he's in there. Can we discuss uh, the Ottawa Senators' Halloween giddy-up? Like, that was top-notch. Brady and Kachuk and Mark Stone as uh, Cal Naughton. Shout-out to your cousin Cal. I was going to say, yeah, Brady's officially in the family now. (laughs) Officially in the family. He's inducted into the the Naughton family. I mean, that was a great costume. I think my favorite one was actually uh, Matt Duchesne and his wife. Uh, they dressed up as skeletons, like in the skeleton suits for onesies for Halloween. And that's how they announced their pregnancy, because they had a baby skeleton inside the stomach of the wife's skeleton suit. And that's how they announced that they were expecting a kid. I thought that was really cool. And then the other one was uh, Dallas. Did you see it was Jamie, Ben, Sagan, and Radulov? They all got a... There were Mario, Luigi, and then Radulov was something else. And they all came in on, like, little Tonka truck dudes. Like, they bought, like, the little <laughs> small things, and they were just going around the house. It was a fucking riot. Like, any sh- hockey guys are good with that stuff. Like, I always look forward to Halloween time of year, which is when they're, uh, like, at the Olympics or the All-Star break just to see the antics they pull up because everybody – it's tr- every sport says this, but it's really true for hockey in terms of it's a fraternity and everybody, once the competition is over or before it started, everybody just likes ball busting each other and a lot of good shit comes out of that. Speaking of that, it's not on the list. Did you see again the pe- uh, Predators coaching staff lost a bet for their Western, the part of their, the Western part of their road trip? And last year they had to wear Christmas suits, plaid suits for a couple games. This time they had to wear horse heads for the entire game and then post-game interview. <laughs> yeah, dude, I thought that's great. I, I think LaViolette has a great like bond with his players. And for something like that to come up, whether it's in a meeting or, like, you know, you got a lot of personalities that are down there. So what if it's, like, just fucking PK in a meeting and he's like, yeah, coach, uh, 
we, we were talking about it. We we're thinking, uh, you should wear that head if we sweep it out west. It's like, game on, mother. And like, you know, and it, it, I just think it's awesome that they can make bets like that, follow through with them. It, it's definitely fun for the coaching staff because you know the boys are coming out to play. Like they definitely want to see you do a post game interview with that. Um, I was just saying, if I was Laviolette, I would say if you guys win a cup this year, I'll ride a, a real goddamn horse naked through the streets of Nashville. <laughs> that'll be parade day. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, speaking of Nashville, one other thing that made me laugh was last year at their Halloween party, uh, Nick Benino and his wife dressed up as like autograph seekers. And they were outside of where the team party was. And uh, Ryan Ellis came out with his wife or girlfriend or whatever. And somebody else did. So Benito and them were, like, outside, like, trying to get their autograph. And uh, they dogged them. They were just like, no, 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 no. They went into the place. But it was, like, a rooftop bar. So they had PK yelling down. And yeah, he's giving him the thumbs up. And he's like, Bones, did he did did he, did he give you the autograph? Or no, yes or no. He gave him the thumbs down. He's like, oh, we're going to dog him when he gets up here. I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. Subban's been doing a good job this year of, like, it's, he's placing it loose. Uh, when he was younger in Montreal, he was doing it in ways that would kind of cross the line in terms of respecting the game a little bit, in my opinion. But down in Nashville, he's become a huge hit, uh, big fan favorite, big marketing tool down there in Nashville. And the league is starting to take notice of that in the marketing, how much fun he has in the ice before the game, during the game. Just a big personality that, uh, hopefully continue to take advantage of. I hope so, man. I like PK. I, I Like you said, I think he's fun. He's fun to watch and definitely a great personality. In the suits, man, the suit game. I love the suits. I'm, I'm yeah. biased. I, I liked being in a suit when I was doing the video stuff. So seeing other guys keeping it going. I, I should have did a big fur once. Like, you know, like during one of the winter games, Benny, I should have yeah. walked down that hallway in Worcester like nothing mattered, big fur on the shoulder. Like a like a Sather cigar in my mouth, walked into that coach's office. I think Roy and Cunny would have had a fucking heart attack. So, like you're showing to the player haters ball. Yeah, exactly. You know, a little PIMP. Um. Well, I guess we can get to your beloved Rangers because they come in on the back end of this. So Kyle Dubis traveled to Europe to meet with Nylander and his crew or advisors, agents, whatever we're gonna call them. Yeah. Then he comes back. And he doesn't go to Toronto to meet up with the team. He goes to the Rangers-Calgary game last night. So now everyone's thinking trade. Um, yeah, thoughts? What do you think? If, they're, if the Rangers are able to somehow land Nylander, first of all, I think I, I could have sworn I mentioned this the last time we talked about his whole situation because his dad played with the Rangers, that I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers either made a move for a trade or if, because he has told December 1st to sign a deal, otherwise he has to sit out the year. And if he, for some reason, sat out the year and next summer rolled around, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Rangers didn't offer sheet. Um, but if they're able to land him, I don't know what they would give up. They've been stocking up on defense prospects, so maybe they would start there, and that's where Toronto is a little weak. So maybe somebody like, I don't know, like uh, Neil Pionk's part of it, Hell, maybe even uh, Brady Shea after some. Oh, I know they just signed him to a long-term deal. I know the Rangers want to build around him, but Nylander is a legitimate top-line forward. I don't know if Shattenkirk would be involved. Uh, Rangers would eat some of that money again uh, just to lower the cap hit and give the Maple Leafs another top-four guy on the right side. But it's it's interesting that the, he went to the Rangers game. I could see the Rangers trying to do something. Hell, maybe even Buchnevich is on a move in that deal. Another right uh, right winger, not really playing up to par in the new system, even after playing subpar for Vigneault. So there's definitely some pieces that the Rangers can offer up. I just don't know if Toronto would pull the trigger and send them within the conference. How big of a kick in the balls do you think it would be if, like, say they pulled the trigger, they make this trade, and then Nylander is just a star on Broadway, just ripping it up, tearing it up, like, Toronto would be like, fuck, like, we kept Matthews, we kept Marner, like, we had to. Now, one question I have about it is, do you think they're regretting the Patrick Marlowe deal a little bit? Because if they didn't sign him for that term and money, I don't think currently they're having an issue with him. I think Nylander's plan. Yeah, they gave Marlowe, what, three years, uh, 15 mil? 
or something like that, or he's making six million. Yeah, that money obviously could go to Nylander. I just feel like Marlowe's brought a lot for the young guys like Marner and Matthews on how to handle the pressure being in the Toronto market and having the expectations. Marlowe has been there himself back in the day. Um, so I think in Toronto's eyes, it's worth it in terms of the overall package. But money-wise, yeah, that's money that could have been uh, sent to Nylander's camp. The thing is, see, like now you got me juiced up. I didn't know that he went to the Calgary Rangers game because I was a little bit busy yesterday. But, oh, man, would he look good setting up Zibanejad on the top of the left circle. Oh, my God. I'm oh, getting a hard on just thinking about it. Just cross-ice sauce and just one time in it, roof. Huh. Um, if we are going to talk about one thing, too, Johnny Hockey at the game yesterday with his 300th point and, and not to rub it in or anything like that, but did you see the move, like, got the puck, was in close to the D, found some space, wiggled left, wiggled right, and then finally just, like, buried one top shelf. And it was, like, Johnny Hockey for being 5'6", or whatever he is. Like, More like 5'3", probably. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're just going off the, the quote-unquote listed height. But, uh, dude, he is phenomenal. Like, he's fun to watch. Hey, great signing by Calgary. That move, not that it wasn't an all-world-style goal, because it was, but you got a little peek into my world there of how the Rangers' defensive system is. I feel bad for David Quinn. His system, first of all, the biggest improvement, not to go off the tangent of Johnny Hockey here, this was a curse that Dan Girardi brought to the Rangers' defense core. Snow angeling to stop shots, <laughs> sliding on his stomach, and then all they have to do is wait for you to slide past, and then it's a, in alone on Hank. They stay on their feet. That's been the biggest change, and it's been fantastic. But he just doesn't have the full defense score that he needs. He has a bunch of fifth, sixth defensemen uh, and Brady Shea, uh, which is a shame. But um, Johnny Hockey, another guy who very under-marketed by the league. Free agent. Anybody could have had him. Another Mar Marty St. Louis situation where he was considered too small. So for a guy like myself, it's always nice to see someone like him be successful. Going to the awful week that my Bruins had, I'm a little upset about one thing because not only did Calgary beat us the other day on the score sheet, they beat us in the stands. Did you see the Brad Marchand face cutout with the guy must have put he put his arm in like some pantyhose or whatever, using it as a tongue? It was like going up to people and whacking them. And everything. Like, dude, I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever saw. I was like. We need to do something good, whether it's against Calgary or somebody. Like, I was dying. I was like, that's funny. Like, I don't care who you are. That's funny. Like, that's a great troll job. If I was Marsh, I would have signed it after the game. I would have had security tracking down and then just, like, signing and taking a photo with it. The thing is, I know he's had a few incidents where, and I can't believe I'm saying this about a grown-ass man who's a hockey player, but looking and kissing other guys during scrums and fights and stuff. But there's a whole article dedicated to it about his history with it that I found on Google. And, like, listen. With, with his tongue massages? Yeah, like, as, <laughs> as Seinfeld would say, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but you got, like, that's so bad. That's so just, like, it, I would get suspended. If I was in a scrum and Martian, like, licked the side of my face or something, I don't know. I would see red. I don't know what I would do. And by red, I don't mean I mean the color, not uh, the misses. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I don't know how Callahan didn't kill him last year when he did that. Like that, yeah. For me, that's a little too much. Like when there's a full-on lick of my face, uh, yeah, we're gonna be doing other things, and I don't and I, mean yeah. me kissing you back. <laughs> we, me, and you talked about it when he did it to Callie last year, and it's just we played hockey, played hockey our whole lives through college. I don't think I've ever once thought about kissing or looking at another guy in a scrum. Like, the fact that that's a thing, part of his arsenal, I just don't know how the head, his head gets there to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, great troll job by that fan. Yeah, I, I have no idea how your head goes there. I mean, understandably, I mean, Callahan must have been shocked because, yet again, I mean, I, don't, I think that's the last thing he thought was coming. But yeah. I, I want to throw two things out there. First one is... Uh, two or three nights ago, the Lightning scored a goal 
And I saw the replay, and it was just really sad as a Rangers fan because, you know, the guys, you score, the guys come together, congratulate, celebrate on the ice. You had Callahan scored the goal. Or, uh, yeah, Callahan scored the goal. You had McDonough and Strawman on defense. Um, and then you had JT Miller on the other wing. You should have just had the... Uh... Or former Rangers, and it's just... What could have been, man? What could have been if they managed to cap better leading up to 2015? You should have just had the uh, the Rangers color guy there just, you know, do the play-by-play for you just so it would feel like old-time sick. Oh, uh, Joe Micheletti? Oh, I can't. I don't need to hear him go, oh, sorry about that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I will say this whenever the name Anton Schallman is brought up because this will be my axe to grind for the rest of my life until the Rangers win a cup. But knowing the Rangers, they'll win a year after I die. The fact <laughs> Just that to be Glenn spiteful. Sather, <laughs> the fact, <laughs> the fact that Glenn Sather didn't want to pay Anton Schulman five million dollars, uh, four million dollars a year, four to five million dollars a year, but he gave that same fucking money to Dan Boyle, thirty-nine years old. No, I mean, in seeing what Strollman has become down in Tampa, like. Complete. He was already out in New York. He was our number one right-handed defenseman. We went to the Stanley Cup with that fucking guy. You want to keep that core together. You want to keep Benny Pooley out there. You want to keep Hags there. You want to keep Shulman there. Okay, so Tampa gave him, I think it was like six years. So it's like, all right, maybe the Rangers know they have to keep guys like Stefan coming up. Uh, Krides is coming up for an extension. McDonough's coming up. So maybe they didn't want to commit term. But then turn around and gave the exact same money to Dan fucking Boyle. Besides Chris Drury, when he scored that goal with seven seconds left when he was on a Sabres against us, I will curse. And I'm sure Boyle's a great guy, all right? He get, got into some shit with uh, our boy Brooksy uh, after a game. You're going to write what you're going to write. But God damn it, do I hate that move. That pisses me off to no end. On, on a brighter note, who is your favorite Brooksy altercation? Oh, it has to be when uh, Tortorella said that he probably got picked on at the bus stop when he was a kid. <laughs> I love, I, I love the one after. Uh, I don't know if it was the playoffs or whatever. You guys are playing Jersey, and it's like, so are you not going to say anything? He's like, maybe that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. <laughs> like, I love that one. That one makes me laugh every time, dude. I want to post. Uh, that's actually that's the first thing I want to post. Uh, after uh, we finish this podcast, is the video compilation on YouTube of Tortorella and Brooks just getting into it with each other. I miss that, to be honest. Like, and to be fair, they got into it, but when Tortorella was fired, Larry Brooks did not gloat, did not like talk shit out when Tortorella was heading out the door. Yeah, because he was probably scared Torts was going to come fucking beat his face in. Yeah, because when he went to Vancouver, he tried to fight the whole Calgary locker room. (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. Dude, I remember that, too. And, like, to see Brian McGratton in the hallway, like, trying to be a peacemaker was a weird one. But then, um, what wasn't it? Malarchuk, he was the goalie coach there, dude. I thought he was going to fucking go crazy. He Like, McGratton's holding it with one hand, like, kind of laughing. But Malarchuk was going nuts. I was like... Oh boy, I'm surprised that uh, that would be a good uh, good conversation to have. Like, get Mike Sullivan on here and be like, "Well, you were Torts' assistant everywhere. You were his assistant there. What were you thinking during this whole thing? Would you just see this dude take off down the hallway? Like, oh fuck." <laughs> I mean, Sully was probably, you know, theoretically ready to chop the gloves because him and Torts go way back. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, They're both Boston boys. I know, you know, they got each other's back and all that, but it's just one of those things, like, you see your boy go down the hallway, and you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good. You're fighting the whole team, and it's just me and you. I mean, to be fair, that's probably the same reaction you would have had with me back in college during a game, and vice versa. If you if you're on a bench or you're in a penalty box, and the, someone in the stand started talking shit to you, and then you climbed the glass, I was just like, ah, oh, shit. And I beat right, him, yeah, and I beat him with a shoe. It's like we'll deal with this now, and we'll worry about it later. I actually have a crazy story about that that we can get into a different time about uh, in high school, uh, in a penalty box after a fight on the ice. Like there was a line brawl essentially, and one of the guys on the team uh, was black, and we were playing our rival, and somebody threw a banana peel 
oh, and it's a box. Jesus and Christ. I'll save the rest of the story for the when we actually talk about it, but I never have seen Please Call to a high school hockey game before like that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but Tortorella, just to end the whole Tortorella thing, perfect fit for a team like Columbus. The expansion team in a market, the chip on his shoulder, gives a team a chip on his shoulder about nobody respects us. Uh, the NHL is not talking about putting an outdoor game where the Blue Jackets are involved. And Tortorella, Tortorella's reaction was, well, it's about damn time. Columbus is a great city. Perfect mentality for a, a franchise like that. And I hope they do well this year. I, just, I want to see Tortorella in the conference finals in the Stanley Cup one more time because Larry Brooks covers uh, the Cup for the New York Post. And I just need to see them together one more time. Just fate, yeah. Do you think he would come in, like he would walk into the presser and instantly be like, yeah, Brooksy. What do you want? <laughs> like, I would do that. If, I mean, Torch has a good sense of humor, to be honest. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't like that. That'd be awesome. Uh, anything else you got on your docket? I hit all the outline on mine. Uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on Me? the uh, LA Kings, the shit show that seems to be developing there. Four-game losing streak. They haven't made a run since the 2014 Cup, which... I, for some reason, I have amnesia about it. I don't know what happened in the 2014 Stanley Cup. But they had an aging roster already. Quick's 32-33. Dowdy's going to be turning 29-30. or 30. Uh, Dustin Brown is just worn down. Kopitar is 33. And instead of... Their system isn't really that well-stocked. You have a couple young, nice, complementary pieces on the roster already, but nothing to build around. And instead of making long-term moves, like Vegas was doing with Tuck, they bring in Dion Phaneuf, Phaneuf, and then they bring in uh, Kovalchuk. There's, they're in a crater out in L.A. within the next like year or two. They're going to have to blow that all up. And my fear is, in a market like L.A., it's very easy to lose market share, especially with the NFL being back in the city. And I know they won the two cups recently, but the fans are going to leave if they're not winning. And I think the... The management team has done a disservice to the market the way they've managed the team the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that because, like you said, I mean, you're only as good as your last winning season, your last cups. There's definitely been a little bit of a void. They do have some big faces and, you know, uh, Kopitar and Doughty. And I love Quickie, but he seems to be getting hurt a lot the last couple of years, so you might need to start looking for another goalie. And... Yeah, like you said, I mean, it seems like everything's going up. There's another football team. You, you got USC. You got everything there. So I, I think it's definitely easy to get there now. Yeah, and then not to mention it's Hollywood. You got all the actors, actresses. So, I mean, it would be easy to become a D-class citizen, you know, like just way under the radar and all that. So, yeah, I don't I know. Um, what had the purple unis. Oh, Jesus. Do you remember those? <laughs> Sean Avery doing push-ups behind the net over there. Um, uh, the only other thing I had on my side was uh, your boy is going to be scouting out in person next Wednesday. Uh, Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks because the Rangers are in town. Hopefully Hank gets to start because I would like to see him one more time before he probably gets moved at some point to a team that's actually going to win him a cup. Uh, but yeah, I'll be at the Rangers-Sharks game at the SAP Center. Uh, I'll give a first-hand scouting report of how Carlson and Bernsey look. Boom. So is this this Wednesday, like Tuesday, this Wednesday, or is it next Wednesday? Uh, wait. It's the 30th, so next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So here you go. So for episode six, boom, yep. that'll be a good review. I, I can't nice believe we can, here. like, foreshadow that far in advance. It's a little weird for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, nothing on my end. All good. Um, keep Tuka Rask out of the net. Keep Boston safe. And, and that's it for me, pal. Boston strong. Th that's it, baby. Well, on that note, I think we have another great episode for everyone here to listen to. And um, we will catch you guys on the flip next week, next Sunday, next Monday. We'll see how we uh, figure it out, Benny. Uh, I'll give it next Sunday. Let's do it Sunday. Let's do it Sunday. All right, everybody. Like us on Facebook. And share the podcast with your friends. That's it. That's what we like to hear.
could drug me 